Hello, and welcome to the Swing Smarter Hitting Training Podcast. This is your host, Joey Myers from HittingPerformanceLab.com, and I have a friend forever, Dr. Jocelyn, <laughs> and it's Vartanian, right? Vartanian. Correct. I knew her as Jocelyn Fernandez, but mm-hmm. uh, obviously married and has a family now and all that kind of stuff, and she is a physical therapist. So first, I want to welcome you to the show, Jocelyn. Thanks. Thanks for and having you, me. And did you want me, since we've known each other so long, you want me to call you Dr. Joss? I can call you Dr. Joss. I can call you Dr. Kavorkian. Call me whatever. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So I wanted to have uh, Jocelyn on because in the past, we've uh, looked at doing some collaborative stuff and never really penned out. We're doing like a big hitting camp or baseball, softball. And, and I, I just think Jocelyn's in, in got, got her head in the right spot. She does as a PT, cause there are some PTs out there maybe that got, went to school maybe 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and they're just not updated on the current stuff. And, and she, I think she does a great job with that. Um, and, and where that keyed in is, I think I finished a, a functional muscle screen. This was a while back. And I, I think that's about when we reconnected after school and all that kind of stuff. And uh, she was talking about, I mean, same language. So she had gone through a lot of that stuff. And um, so first, my first question to you, Jocelyn is, so you said that you've had a huge influx of new clients, athletes, right. That have come in recently. And I asked her jokingly, oh, is that the, because of the baseball softball season started? And she said everything. So what are you seeing coming in right now? Um, so it's, it's always everything. It just ebbs and flows depending on the time of year, both because of seasons and then with athletes in particular off season, during season, preseason type of stuff like that. But, um, COVID kind of threw a wrench in a lot of operations. So a lot of surgeries got postponed because they became elective surgeries, even though the patient themselves wouldn't have called it elective. (laughs) Um, and so we're still seeing a delay in a lot of those cases coming through. And so more are coming through as kind of some of the restrictions are lifting. So, um, and I see everything. I, I honestly can see a surgery or an injury on any single body part. Um, and I take everything. So I take peds like babies that a three month old yesterday. I have 102 year olds. So we kind of see everything at this clinic in particular. Um, for me in particular, I work probably more often with more high school and collegiate, uh, baseball and softball players, both because of major injuries of overuse and, or I'll see off season, um, pros because of whoever lives kind of locally works through one of our baseball academies locally. Um, and so they've kind of transitioned out in this past month because everybody had to report back. So it's an ebb and flow depending on time of year and season of sport. And it's not just baseball, softball. I see all sports. Now, uh, zeroing in on, say, the softball girls, right? So, well, you can even compare contrast. What do you see different in softball girls coming in with injuries versus the guys? Or is there any difference? Uh, no, there is. Uh, softball tends to be um, shoulder, low backs, and ankles, like mm-hmm. ankle sprains, sliding in, things like that. Um, I work probably more often with pitchers, um, than positional, um, athletes, mostly because they are in more of the overuse category. So, um, you know, a 16 year old that pitches versus a 16 year old first baseman does not throw as often, usually, um, during season, preseason, postseason, it doesn't matter. Baseball players tend to be heavy elbow and shoulder. 
Um, and it depends on what the issue is, but I get the little league elbow up to the Tommy John surgery, ulnar nerve transposition. Um, and so that's more of a post-op bigger kind of situation. And then there's always those, you know, field players that make an epic catch that dove for some ball, ran into the wall, you know, stuff like that, that, that creates a little bit more usually shoulder impact um, type stuff. And it can still be major injury stuff, but as far as baseball, softball, shoulders are always going to be more involved, but baseball goes elbow a little bit more into some wrist. Uh, softball tends to go low back. And then, like I said, ankle as well. That's interesting because <clears throat> I'm, I don't know if you know, but I'm part-timing this year with Clovis West baseball. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, it, you know, normally be Bullard, but we live right, right, right across the street from Clovis West, you know? Yeah. And, and by the way, I had, I forgot to mention that Jocelyn played softball all the way through high school. So our, our group of friends, we were really, really close. We had a good co-ed group of friends that mm-hmm. didn't get in too much trouble. We got in some trouble, but not too much. Right. Right. Um, right. So, so Jocelyn's definitely in the softball side. She understands that sport. Um, so yeah, so interesting you say that because the first couple of weeks it was, what was it with the guys ankles? It was ankles. It was just like an ankle blow up every, every other day when we had half a dozen ankles. And, uh, so what, what's your advice for the, on the ankle side of things, uh, just to like, not, you know, like preemptive. Yeah. So, and once you have an ankle sprain, you're going to get another one. I don't care how much you rehab it or any, it's going to happen again. And it'll continue to happen at a rapid rate if you don't rehab it correctly. Mm-hmm. However, um, preseason type injuries like this, like ankles, it, it often is a, you forgot how to move and you stop moving and you con- you concentrated on something that it was probably helpful. Like maybe you did some off season strength training or you did some other stuff, but a lot of kids lose their mobility that they require and they develop during season because it's so repetitive because they stop squatting. They stop doing things like that. And so what happens is, and that's goes for all joints, all the joints. Mm-hmm. Um, but for ankles in particular, it becomes like these baby giraffes on the field that are probably skilled and gifted and they have a lot of talent, but um, you take for granted small, little, you know, agility type movements Mm -hmm. and, um, and then conditions, field conditions can always play a part. So if you go right out and you haven't played on the grass and you haven't checked the actual field to see for gopher holes, potholes, all that stuff. In the cleats. In the cleats, right? Right. And then are you even wearing cleats? Did you forget to bring them? Or rainy day, you're all court-based. And that is a completely different movement pattern when you have a different type of terrain. But um, but it's it's it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. If you stopped moving the way you need to move for your sport or your job or whatever, Um, you're going to have some kind of kinks that you have to work through, but you have to be focused on it. You can't just get back to baseball by playing baseball. Like there's, there's specific things that you should probably be working on before you go into that first day of practice or like double days or something like that. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you recommend something like, I mean, we used to do this back in the day where you just throw a ball against the house, you know, as long as the, you're not going to ru- ruin the stucco or whatever, but just that idea of going back and forth, feeling ground balls, like right. that would kind of get you in that because it's more agility. And I think that's where most of the guys, you, you got some of them that are growing that hit major growth spurts. So some of them have a lower back, which we'll get to, but you know, with the ankles <clears throat> there, there's that agility side of things. Cause now mm-hmm. you're running bases. Like you said, they've been right. 
sitting at home watching Netflix, watching Outer Banks and all these shows that they watch right. and they haven't been moving agility wise. And, and like you said, they maybe have been in the gym working with a coach, but they're not working on that side to side plane. Right. So, there, so you, what, what like top two things would you suggest <clears throat> they do to help with those ankles? So your dorsiflexion, which is your ability to bend your foot. So toes up towards your shin um, is your primary motion. You need to keep mobile in my opinion, mm -hmm. which means that um, like a standing calf stretch, bent knee, straight knee, but the kneeling version of really driving your knee inside and outside of your foot to keep that angle loose. And mm -hmm. I don't have a restriction in my joint is number one on like a joint specific movement. Mm -hmm. As far as agility though, that takes loading it and high repetition into all directions. Mm -hmm. So even if, um, baseball softball you run forward but then you have to cut off first base run to second mm -hmm. or you're a middle infield player you have to be ready to um charge back left right like rotate pick up some crazy balls sling it across so if you haven't been training multi-planar directions for even lunges right you don't have to start off running towards a ground ball but multi-directional lunges multi-directional uh band walks things like that, um, balance, like star balance reach, where you stand on one leg and your other leg reaches out in different directions and you're trying to not break in your one leg, you're training all these muscles to work in all three dimensions. And so when you stop doing that, you're, it's a, if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm -hmm. So you, you do not have the input to your brain, from your brain to your nerves, to your muscles to connect quick enough for you to stay on top of it. So there's a mobility aspect always and a stability aspect always for every single joint, doesn't matter. But if you do not have joint motion, you will not be agile. You will not be strong. You will not be um, anything that you are trying to train into if you lose your mobility. So joint restrictions, if you lose that ability to bend your ankle, it, it's going to already predispose you to usually the most common ankle injury is an inversion lateral ankle sprain. So it's a, my toe pointed a little bit more and then I rolled out on it. Mm -hmm. And if I couldn't get into that deep position, so like I'm really bendy at that ankle, you're kind of up higher in a higher position and your ankle, if it's not loaded down because it can't go, it, it you almost allow it to kind of roll. Mm. So it's always all joints. It's always mobility first. Can it move cleanly, move well into as much direction as it should? And then you better train it in every direction. So yeah, even if you threw the ball, lopped it, uh, here we have a rebounder like a trampoline, but say you use your wall example, throw it at different angles so that you have to react and you have to move into different angles as well with it, but you're practicing the same footwork every single time you're trying to drill that repetition of I can squat down, hands down, butt down, which means my ankles, hips, knees, everything must have hinged down and then come up and you don't even have to throw it aggressive. Just repeat, mm -hmm. go again, go again. Mm -hmm. I really like those, those omnidirectional balls, the, the rubber mm -hmm. ones that have the nodules on them because you're, they're unpredictable where they bounce. And right. we'll, we'll take the kids, you know, like Noah, nine years mm -hmm. old and his team, we'll put them in a circle and we have three of them. So we'll start with one, we'll throw we'll have them lob it like a hand grenade, just lob it in the middle and then just let it go. And then they have to 
You're right. like they have to move. Yeah. yeah. They don't know where they're moving and they got to go back right. forward. And I just love them. And then we'll throw two in, like they throw two in the middle and then now you got multiple. Right. So now you got some reaction stuff. So that's a great advice for, for them. And also the other thing I noticed on the base pass with these guys at West <clears throat> is that they'll, when they're going back to a base, say if they're doing pickoffs or something like that, and they go in standing is they'll go in and their foot, when it hits the bag, they'll be loose with it. Like they won't mm -hmm. be, um, they won't be intentional with it. And I told right. him, I told him, I said, you need to hit that bag hard with that foot. Right. Like you're, you're going hard. So everything right. is, is nice and solid when you hit instead of just kind of nice, easy baby in it. When you, when you hit the base, you know, right. because now you don't have any stability if you're doing that. And then boom, thing like right. you said, that roll happens. Roll. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the lower back. So you mentioned in the, in the ladies, you see a lot of lower back stuff. So mm -hmm. what, what kind of advice would you give for, for the ladies on that? So in that case, and, it, and it's not just the ladies in yeah. a sense, it's usually ladies will, especially, um, you know, teenager type stuff, they move very well. They have the mobility. They don't have the stability. Mm. Guys at that age are stiff, stuck, and some of them can move well, but, and then they try to move it and they just bear down, but that's different than having like a controlled movement with it. So if you are a bendy person, you should be working on more stability type stuff. But again, in all directions, because you can't just be strong in a sit-up because most of our life is not flexed forward where I need my abs to all of a sudden be super tight. I have to be able to be strong in an open position. So it should be strong when I cock back into my full throwing position. It should be strong loaded when I go into a swing, which is more rotational kind of stability. So in that kind of case, I, I always recommend planks in any mm -hmm. type of version, because I need you to recruit muscles the proper way without adding reactionary, crazy kind of movement stuff. Because if you can't engage still, then you're probably not engaging well when you actually go to move. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you can start in any type of position. For a lot of people, I might start them in an elevated plank because I want them to focus, like I said, on the neural drive of coordinating which muscles are supposed to move and which ones are supposed to stabilize and things like that. Work your way down to the floor. A high plank, you get your arms, you get your biceps, triceps to help. When you take it away and you go on forearms, you only have shoulder blades, which are the weakest in every human population. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if you throw every day and you're an athlete, you are weak in your shoulder girdle. And so your scapula needs a little bit more reinforcement there as well. So if that helps support you up, it coordinates with your abs, with your low back muscles to really stabilize your, your low back. But side planks, side plank, rotatory planks, um, all those types of things are very important. On an upright position, this is where you can do a lot of carries. Like you might do like a waiter's carry where you're holding, you know, kettlebell, dumbbell up, um, suitcase carry down, and you're trying not to move, but yet you're walking with like a load. Um, I mean, you use your abs in everyday life. And when you don't have them is when, or when you have low back pain, you realize like how hard it is to engage them and support them. Cause you just take them for granted. But I mean, low back is an endless amount of opportunity on exercise variations, but it kind of depends on, are you recruiting well? And then we can progress from there. If you cannot recruit well, I have to regress you. Mm -hmm. And usually that means you start on your back and you just work on pelvic tilt where you actually engage your abdominals to do what you're asking them to do. So if you're trying to engage your abdominals to like flex your low back and tilt your hips backwards, like a dog tucking its tail, 
And then I want you to rock it forward and I want you to arch your back and you have zero control over that. Like we have to start there. You're not even standing. You're not loaded. You're not against gravity. There's not a ball coming at your face that you have to swing and or catch it. Mm -hmm. So it kind of depends on the skill set in general. And then, like I said, it's an endless opportunity from there to work and progress into more functional movements or sports specific movements because of maybe your uh, specific position. Yeah, I love that. More great advice. <clears throat> and the other thing from the hitting side that we'll see in, in both boys and girls is the arching of the back. They're swinging mm -hmm. and arching. And I tell them, I said, it's when you arch, arching by itself isn't a big deal. You're basically pushing those vertebrae together. But what makes it a big deal is when you arch and rotate. So right. now you're pushing together and now you're grinding, right? Right. If you lock out a joint, can it move? No, because you just, <laughs> You just locked it out. So, but understanding that your arch or your anti-arch, how much you have to flex into it to not lock out could look and feel different compared to, you know, your teammate. Mm. And so it still is going to be based off your feel. And then I would counter with, why are you arching? They're not going to know necessarily. They just know to do it, but they're probably avoiding something else because that part isn't helping. So it could come back to the ankles. Don't bend well. So you have to stand up taller. So to stand up taller and to rotate, you lose some of your power in your hips. So then you overswing through your trunk, your low back and your arms. And so it, and then what pitching are you facing? You know, girls have a different trajectory or softball players have a different trajectory than on the pitch coming at them than a baseball player. Right. So um, if you are pitching um, or hitting against a certain type of style pitcher and you don't make adaptations to it and you just try to swing harder by arching more and you're, you're not taking advantage of probably somewhere else in, in the kinetic chain. You're not, you're not using something else properly. Right. I see that back leg a lot of times locking out, like the knee locks out. It's like they go into like a triple, triple extension uh, mm -hmm. with the hip, the, the knee and the ankle. And usually to me, cause you don't see that that often at the elite level, and you see the somewhat of a bend it might not all be 90, 90 degrees in the knee, but sure. you got 110 degrees, 90 degrees, something like that. And so, yeah, exactly. So there's some sort of compensation because mm -hmm. of either a past injury, a current injury, or there's just compensation that's been built up over, over time. Like you said, right. something's turned off, um, something's over turned on, you know, volume too much. Yeah. Right. Very cool. And then now let's move to the shoulder before we end, end on that. Cause that's a, that's a big one. All mm -hmm. boys and girls got to, got to throw, they got to go overhand, um, right. aside from the pitchers and softball, but still, if they're going to play the field, they got to throw overhand. So what's your advice on, on shoulder? You mentioned at the boys, it's the elbow, really elbow heavy shoulder. Um, mm -hmm. so what's your advice there? So if it's not painful, in the shoulder, it's just, you're not moving well. You probably don't have full mobility. Okay. So we come back to your shoulder is a ball and socket joint. It's a circle. It has to move in every direction without any hitch, without any, um, like, Ooh, I feel some like pinchy pain, something like that. So if you're already having that, that's going to change your mechanics. So that's already going to, your brain is smart. It's your brain. It doesn't choose the correct movement. It chooses the movement it needs to do to accomplish its job. Mm. So if you can't throw over the top and you start developing a three-quarter slot angle, and that's just a position player, not necessarily a pitcher, mm -hmm. um, and you have some type of restriction in your joint, you're probably going to do something different. You're probably going to drop your arm. You're probably going to open up too soon. 
which then causes an over utilization of your elbow because now you're going to whip through the front of your shoulder and you're going to like start to drop and use more of like your elbow but if it's not restricted then it's probably a weakness and it's your shoulder blade weakness and your hip weakness you are not able to generate the like cracking a whip phenomenon of you crack it from the start to get the end to snap and if you're throwing or hitting and your foundation is not efficient you're going to overthrow, overuse your shoulder. And so it leads to a lot of strain type injuries. So um, girls, it tends to be a little bit more biceps related, biceps, long head, it's kind of more front mm -hmm. because of an overuse. Guys, it becomes more rotator. And so that's kind of felt a little bit more to the side and they'll grab it and they're going to try to like find it and they can't find it because rotator cuff is actually on the back, but your pain refers here. Mm -hmm. um so that becomes like another mechanical issue but why am i doing it there's probably a weakness so your shoulder blade shoulders are probably too weak if you cannot do a circle if, with your shoulders if you cannot get them to where my elbows can touch my ears mm -hmm. i cannot extend back i cannot put the back of my hand up my back without some weird hitching mm -hmm. kind of compensation you don't have enough mobility that is your start which you need to work on if it's i can move i'm just I don't feel good after I throw a certain amount of times, there's probably a strengthening component to that. And in that case, I actually do the same thing, a lot of planks and a lot of plank variations in different ways to engage your shoulder blades to be able to protract forward, retract when they're supposed to, and you build a little bit more foundational strength from the top of your arm so that your shoulder doesn't have to overwork, which helps you not overwork your elbow, which helps you not work into your wrist. Mm. So, that one's kind of loaded, but it's I, one of my favorite joints, shoulders and hips are my favorite because they have endless opportunity for improvement. Mm -hmm. um, but what's your issue? If you can't move, you can't move it. You're not going to get strong. And now you're going to try to throw on it. Like, good luck. You're going to see me in mm -hmm. six weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I have to undo something. Mm -hmm. um, but depending on what's going on, like I said, you might just add a little bit more shoulder blade work into your routine that you normally do when you do your strength training. And you might start to just find better results, like your shoulders just feel stronger. Mm -hmm. And then always talk to your coach because you might not, you feel what you feel as the player. You can't see what is happening necessarily. And so if you're like, hey, coach, I'm feeling this, then their eyes might be able to say like, oh, well, it's funny that you mentioned it, but I've noticed that you're now doing this. Mm -hmm. And so there's another mechanical issue that maybe somebody else can help guide you um, as to why you are developing this new pain or new habit. Mm -hmm. I love that. <clears throat> so you, you're mentioning a lot of the plank stuff, whether it's full out hands here or going this way. Um, so what you're saying is get in that plank type of position, like the top of a push-up, mm -hmm. and then uh, pulling your shoulder blades down, pinching them and together, back. bringing them so, up, like doing right. the whole thing. Like the whole thing. You should have independent control of your shoulder blades, and most people don't. And for the most part, everybody sinks. So you might hold a plank or hold and do push-ups, but your back is very arched, um, even in your upper back. And you'll see shoulder blades just fly off. You can see it through the shirt that shoulder blades are kind of like pointing up and they're not flat against your thoracic spine. Mm -hmm. So it means that you're not using those muscles that are underneath that help glue that down to your rib cage. And usually that's a pushing type motion. And so most people need a little bit more protraction because everybody kind of sinks back. Mm. So are you engaging it when you should? So if there is a pushing strength training that you're doing, and it could still, it could literally be chest press, dumbbell, 
-hmm. But instead of going forward, I actually push Mm -hmm. further into it to engage that shoulder blade. Mm -hmm. Um, And dumbbell, barbell, doesn't matter. Um, Weighted. Your body weight, when you flip it and you go planks, is your own body weight. And so I like it better because it gives an immediate, I can do this or I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And and people get shocked and they're like wide eyed at me because they're like I can't believe I can't hold a top of a plank or move from here, but yet I can throw it ninety miles an hour, mm. you know. And it's that's different. Those are different. But imagine if you are like a pitcher, somebody, and your shoulder blade strength starts to pick up. It your shoulder starts to feel better. You add like two, three, four miles an hour on your velo like that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't throw harder. So like endless opportunity, like I said, at the shoulder joint, which I really love. Um, but I, I think people can get out of it because you can kind of always just like find a new angle and mm-hmm. you'll just kind of deal with it until it's not good. Yeah. Uh, it, it's almost like the governor on a, on a truck or a bus, right? The governor in the engine, right? Where, so the engine, uh, Derek Mills, one time we went down to Pepperdine and we were on the highway 99 or no, no highway 101. And it was like four lanes, five lanes, whatever. And he goes, Hey, watch this. We were in his white Silverado truck and he floors it. And we're, you know, we're all, there's like four of us in the car, friend, the truck and he's going and you see, he goes, watch the odometer and it goes up to 90. And then right when it passes 90, he goes, when it came back down. Right. And so the brain is the same way when mm-hmm. you have an injury, you have a mobility issue, stability issue is that it acts like a governor to your performance. And I tell my, my players, I tell them, you know, your brain, like you said, your brain's smart, your brain's the thinking part of your body. And if there's an issue, it will be about survival. It's not about performance. They don't care if right. you can throw 95. They don't care if you can hit a ball 450 feet, it's going to protect your joint and your body. So it's going to, instead of allowing hundred percent performance, it's going to bring you down to about 80%. Like you said, right. with that, with that shoulder pitcher thing, 90, well, I throw 90, but I can't even do a, a plank. Well, imagine if you can do a plank mm-hmm. and you can, yeah, like you said, you add another two to three miles an hour of ELO. Right. And for the most part, um, I, I talk about it. Like if you have pain anywhere in your body, your brain doesn't know if you're causing your pain or somebody else is doing it to you. So it goes on protection mode. It goes on self-preservation mode and it stops the ability to use a hundred percent of that muscle because it can't tell what's happening. Mm -hmm. And if anybody has had a surgery, they understand that you come out of surgery and you try to like contract your muscle. Say you've had an ACL reconstruction, you try to contract your quad and it like doesn't do it, Mm -hmm. but it didn't just forget how to do it. It's still traumatized even from a good surgery. So it doesn't know you had a good surgery. It just knows there's pain. I'm going to shut you down because I don't want you to risk further pain. Mm -hmm. So it's not a, oh, I can do this willpower it over. There are some ways that you need to kind of be able to back off and be like, okay, I need to take care of this issue. And then I take care of that issue. And then boom, my performance improves. Right. Right. Awesome. Awesome stuff, Jocelyn. Um, so be respectful of your time. Let's go get into where people can find you. I know you got the, you guys is, uh, website is pro P R O, uh, dash PT is in physical therapy.net. So we're, you know, in Fresno, uh, the, let people know where they can find you. Yeah. So I'm the director of Fresno West. So my location is off Herndon and West Avenue. Um, we have 17 locations between um, the South Valley and North Valley for ProPT in general. So you can probably find one of us almost anywhere. Um, and then, like I said, that I, I work specifically out of here. 
And I have a lot of athletes come in to see me because um, I just have a little bit more expertise in, in a lot of these sports kind of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, it's if you can get in anywhere, anytime you have some type of pain or problem and you're like, hmm, I should probably get checked, just get in and see a medical professional. But but yeah, I would love to check you out. Not everybody becomes a long-term crazy patient. Sometimes you just need to get evaluated, get screened, see where your issues are. And then we build a program for you to work with, work with your strength coach. You already, maybe I already have something, or maybe you don't have anything. And this kind of becomes like a wake up call of like, I should probably start, you know, something more proactive so that I stop this injury cycle from happening. And, um, coaches like you in particular I, I like to talk back and forth with the coaches with the parents everybody's still on a, a game plan there's like a medical team approach but it's a full team approach for you as like the player so that we keep you on the field we don't have to take you off the field um for as little time as we absolutely need to basically Right. Yeah. And Dr. Jocelyn, she knows, she knows exactly what she's doing. She's a critical thinker. She, she, she does it all. And she got a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, wisdom in this field. And if you don't just depend on your coach's word, don't even depend on my word, because we're not even supposed to diagnose pain. If there's pain, I have to find a Dr. Jocelyn to work with the hitters. And and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I don't want to ruin. I mean, Jocelyn's got a lot more education in this than I do. Um, I have surface level compared to her. So we let the professionals do what the professionals do, get their point of view, get what they need to do, and then take that like she said, is like a, um, a community or, or a team that you put together and everybody works together doing their own thing, staying in their own lanes and adding to that, that athlete, because it, the days are gone of the just tough it out. Oh, but my, my elbow feels like it's going to break. No, no, no. Just tough it out. It's all about mental toughness that those days are, are, are dead and gone. Yeah. You, you rarely rest anything to death. I sit to death or take any anti-inflammatories and it's going to be some magical cure. Right, right. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, thank you, Dr. Jocelyn. Uh, sure. Stay on real quick. I'm going to uh, stop the recording. But hey, I appreciate your time on on with us today at the Swing Swing Smarter Hitting Training Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Got it.